Reel on Reels, Episode 21, Akira, Revenge of the Telekinetic Turquoise Children. Hey everybody, this is uh, Reel on Reels, I'm Rob. And I'm Jeremiah. Uh, welcome back to your favorite film podcast, right? Favoritist. Favoritist, indeed. <laughs> um, we are today, tonight, doing an episode on wherever, whenever you're listening to this, whichever one you connect with the most. This morning, yeah. This afternoon, yeah. Where, wherever you're at, just imagine that we're talking then. But we're actually doing it tonight. It's currently <laughs> uh, ten sixteen p.m. All right, off to a great start here, Rob. Uh, uh, <laughs> So we were doing the film Akira, 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 uh, Akira for my purposes, <laughs> um, for the purposes of, I don't know, Akira Ameri- sounds more like the car. Americanization. Yeah. Yeah. Ac- yeah. You're right. It does kind of sound but like But it's Akira. an anime film made in, uh, what was the year? Uh, it, it came out in na- 1988. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So this was um, this is a fan suggestion. Thank you, Paula, for your yes. suggestion you. of a of um, yeah a landmark anime film. This was pretty much the start of the whole fascination with Japanese culture in yeah. the Western world. This is kind of the Citizen Kane of anime. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. I'm not like too. I I I have seen anime films. I do like some anime films. So I'm not, but I'm not too familiar with it. But that's kind of a, the gist I get from people that are fans of anime. That right. they really regard that as kind of a, um, a masterpiece. And yeah, it is. Yeah, it truly is a, an amazing film. Yeah, it's um, it has a very strong cult following that has built up over a long period of time. It was a, of course it wasn't big in the U.S. at first. Um, I think it only made like half a million or something like that. In the in right. theaters, um, but it's made worldwide now. I think they're up to like eighty million bucks in sales. Yeah, of for the of the videos and yeah. the, the DVDs and whatnot. I would say that any an- popular anime in America has kind of got a cult following because anime is kind of a cult following it, yeah. type thing. It's getting more popular. That's true. Yeah. Um, but like in uh, yeah in Japan, obviously it's more mainstream. But um, right. Yeah. But we're also going to be playing a game of uh, Dirty Rotten Tomatoes. Resurrecting it. Yep. It's been a while. It's been a while. It's been a while. (laughs) And uh, yeah, so Acura. Acura? Acura. (laughs) The the film about the beginning of this uh, brand of luxury vehicle. That's not what it's about. Um, It's actually, um, it takes place in a dystopian neo-noirish city that uh reminds me a little blade runner in the futuristic year of 2019 yes and so uh that's one of the reasons we wanted to do this movie um and uh fun fact um the the climactic battle in akira happens at um well the the movie takes place in neo tokyo right which is um what tokyo is supposedly called in 2019 it'd be cool if that was actually true but um the the climactic battle takes place in the olympic stadium that is supposedly built being built for uh, the 2020 olympics and it just so happens that actually the olympics are going to be in tokyo next year so it's a it's like the accident yeah the the, uh the movie accidentally predicted the future wow um that's awesome yeah yeah um so yes uh Let's hope it didn't predict too much of the future. <laughs> Hopefully, it's just yeah. that. Hopefully, it's just that little little part of it. So basically, the film <laughs> the starts of is, off yeah. pre Neo Tokyo, pre Neo, yeah, uh, prenatal Tokyo, <laughs> and it it starts off with a mushroom cloud going off. We're, we're we think it's an atomic bomb that's gone off, but yeah, it devastates the. Uh, the, the country and yeah shades of uh hiroshima and nagasaki right. definitely come to mind hmm. yeah i i would venture to say that that if i i'm, I'm sure a film like this probably would have been made but it, this is very 
Japanese. It's mm-hmm. at its core Japanese because that's a uniquely Japanese experience. Definitely um, having the you know that a level, nuclear bomb drop yeah, on you. That level of devastation. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it, there's something so visceral about this movie. It is a yeah. Visceral is a really good word to encap- encapsulate it. Yeah, and in a lot of different ways. Mm. And, and and after they show the bomb, then it's they show Neo Tokyo 2019, and it's a dystopian cyberpunk type city uh, with motorcycle gangs running the street at night. And um, but we start off with uh, a telepathic turquoise child. <laughs> running uh away with somebody an adult and they're running away from what appears to be government agents yeah and, and oh go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> no i was just gonna say uh it's pausing for you to jump in oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's a really cool scene actually because um it's the first like really bloody scene and it's right at the beginning the guy just gets destroyed by bullets oh yeah um oh. yeah they get caught Mm-hmm. by them and uh dogs attack him and uh but he shoots a dog and it's very sad but yes um yeah he gets killed and then we cut to a motorcycle gang what are they called the capsules and the clowns are the two motorcycle gangs <laughs> yeah and why are they chasing one they're I know they're rival gangs. I'm but not sure if it's explained there, yeah, I can't very well. Explained. There's a lot of little details like that in the movie that kind of just go by so quickly that you don't even... This film's packed tight. Yeah, with, very, um, it's very dense. Yeah, this was based on a uh, an anime, or a manga, sorry. Right. Um, how many pages was that thing? Do you, did you write that down? Oh, it's I like did, really long. I didn't write, out, write down um, a page count. It, it I did think have, it's like a thousand pages or something. Yeah, it had six parts. And the, the plot of the film actually is based on the first and sixth part. Um, but what oh, okay. happened was that they pulled a Game of Thrones. Like they made the movie before he had finished actually writing the whole manga. But he directed it. Yeah, yeah, he was writing it like concurrently. Like he, I guess he just took a break from writing and and hmm. made the movie. Interesting. Anticipated his ending for the sixth part, and so everything in between, like the beginning and the end of the movie, is kind of like a a really quick like distillation of his plot from all oh, okay. those books. Gotcha. Yeah, I did read that the manga goes into a little more detail and. Um, kind of explains the more WTF moments yeah. that are in this movie. There's a lot in there that's that happens that um, is not explained very well, or they try to explain it, but they have to do it very quickly. Yeah. So, and the, but yeah, that would be why. <laughs> right, yeah. So th- these uh, motorcycle gangs are chasing one another through the the streets of Neo Tokyo, and um, they crash into uh, I think the into the kid, right? Yeah. It, Tetsuo uh, specifically. Yeah, there's yeah. a gang. There's the the two main gang people. The main characters of this movie are Tetsuo and Canada. 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 <laughs> All right. <laughs> Acura, Canada. Uh, Tetsuo. Uh, yeah. And <laughs> we uh, we get to. So Tetsuo crashes into the child who's got, we find out, telepathic and telekinetic powers. Mm-hmm. And he he kind of, I don't, I guess he transfers the powers to Tetsuo. Yeah, that's, I don't think that's explained super well, but yeah, he somehow. He like, it's like a concentrated form of it. Yeah, because he, he like protects himself with some kind of shield when Tetsuo hits him so that he doesn't get hurt. Um, so he's basically invincible, I guess. Yeah. Um, and uh but yeah tetsuo crashes and then he um he starts to have like headaches and um there's this kind of like slow process of him getting the the pain getting worse and um just just acting erratically because he's already like you know a um adrenaline junkie like highly aggressive person to begin with yeah and uh so the the yeah basically the movie centers around him just like um those these telepathic powers growing and growing yeah. and growing and him um killing some people and destroying things and um the government trying to contain him Canada trying to contain him and um there's this whole there's a kind of a subplot where there's like rivals within the government um 
like arguing about what to do about the situation. Do you think that the film is kind of an allegory for the invention of the atomic bomb? Um, I can't believe I didn't actually think of that, but yeah, (laughs) I think that, I think that's a very astute observation because yeah, they've got these people trying to contain this power right? and they try to hide it and they try to, um, bury it. But yeah, because this is one of those movies where I, and I think, I don't know if this was a totally original idea at the time, but it's, it's definitely something that has been done many times since. Um, but the whole idea of like the, the secret government project that creates like some kind of a superpower, like, or like a super soldier or something. And, um, and then, you know, it it getting out of control. I mean, there's been stuff before in sci-fi about like man's, you know, creations getting out of control, but, um, this has a a very modern spin on it because it has like its life of its own and it gets more dangerous as it kind of matures. Mm Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think I just think that just rings a lot, a lot of bells around the Manhattan Project and right, definitely, uh, just the proliferation of nuclear weapons all over the world. Yeah, and it's um, it's a storyline that you see a lot. I mean, it it's very similar to like the Matrix, and yeah. um, there's actually um a an anime series that. Stranger Things was heavily influenced by called Elvin Lied. That's hmm. basically like this kind of a plot where it's like somebody who, you know, has has psychic powers due to government, you okay. know, experiments, and then that. And you know, Stranger Things is huge now too. So it's right. kind of it's something that's kind of like cycling back through. Um, and uh, yeah, it seems to have started with this movie. Hmm. Um, but yeah, um, in that in, in that very modern context of like, you know, the MK Ultra and like <laughs> yeah. Uh, that kind of stuff. So yeah, and Canada uh, <laughs> decides to um, because basically when after they crash into the into one another, the government captures the kid, kills the the adult that uh, rescued him. He was one a part of the resistance, and um, Canada join. Oh, Tetsuo gets taken by the government as well. He gets arrested. The whole gang gets arrested, but uh, Tetsuo gets taken by the government. And Canada decides that he wants to uh, uh, what? kill me with Canada. Man. Canada decides me. that he wants to uh, join, find the resistance, or he, they they cross paths and um, rescue his friend. Yeah, that's the that's the nutshell of it. Um, yeah. There's a lot of little little details in there that we probably wouldn't have time to get yeah. into. But in the writing, I mean, I gave an eight. Mm, I'm okay. I, I'm not really. I give it an eight too, actually. Oh, did you? Okay. So yeah, I thought it was great. I thought it's very compelling and just like a lot of, um, moments and it's very doing a lot of fragmented sentences right now, but it's, um, (laughs) it's, it's got a lot of depth to it. Um, but there are, you could see like the kind of the shortcuts they took mm-hmm. with some of the story, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. I think leaving a lot to interpretation is always a good thing. Yeah, actually, I think there is a lot in there, especially when you go back and and like re, you know watch content about it or, or right. rewatch section segments. There are lines in there that are kind of that are open to interpretation in some ways. They don't like yeah. spell things out for you. Like, for example, one of them, um, one video that came across, and there's a couple of videos I'm going to put in the show notes page for this movie because okay. um, they give you a lot of information. But um, there's a line in there from one of the other turquoise telekinetic children, uh, Kyoko. Um, because Is that the uh, little girl? Yeah. Yeah, she, she's kind of like the first one that we kind of get the idea that these kids are telepathic. We get the right. idea first that they're telekinetic um, because of... Uh, I think his name is Takashi's powers at the beginning, but um, Takashi, yeah, or is it Takashi? Yeah, I forgot the H in my notes. Um, <laughs> she is like in a in bed in the government facility, and she's recalling a dream that she had. Mm-hmm. These government officials are like listening to it, very concerned because they know whatever she's dreaming is going to probably come true. Yeah, she's like a precog from like um, from Minority Report right, or something right. like that. Yeah, and she discovered, and I, I think I, I don't know if it's from this scene, but. That's where she's just describing the 
the white flash, the mushroom cloud. Um, well but that, she, that's what she imagines. That is a good one. She dreams. I actually had, I did have another, I'm glad you interjected with that, but I did have another line in mind or another scene where she says something about how, um, she, she's confronting Tetsuo, like, um, kind of early on. Um, it's like, it's like in the middle ish of the movie. Like I think shortly after he meets these kids, um, and she tells him big people are not meant to have this power. And, um, in one of these videos that I watched, like I said, I'll put the link in the show notes page. I don't know the exact title of it, but it's, um, he, one of the, the guy who made the video interprets it as him, her saying that there's a, this power is, it's sort of like the ring, I guess, where it's like, if you, if you are like young, if you're like a pure child, which is, mm-hmm. the, you know, they, they got these kids and obviously did experiments on them when they were just very young. And, um, so it's like if you're not pure like a child it it corrupts you more and also he's just physically large right um and he's just he's strong and aggressive and it really is just amplifying all of that stuff in him Mm. so i thought that was a really good point yeah and it explains something that i didn't really understand when i was watching it which is like why is it that he is so powerful Mm. you know what i mean and we didn't give away what happens at the very end right no not yet actually that's kind of a i think that might be something that we should leave should we uh, unsaid because it's it's kind of cool. Yeah, but um, this movie definitely watch it. Suffice it to say, he's very powerful. <laughs> yes, Tetsuo <laughs> becomes extremely powerful because there's a uh, another Esper. That's what these children are called, by the way, yeah, Espers. Yeah. And there's another Esper that was very powerful named Akira. 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 The original one. Yeah, and that was um, they they buried him in like a. Uh, yeah, he was the one who actually destroyed um, Neo, or destroyed Tokyo in 1988 yeah. during World War Three. Yeah, he caused a singularity. Yeah, which looks like a mushroom cloud in yeah. this universe. And they somehow um, like dissect him and put him in these different right. canisters. And um, toward the end of the movie, um, in order to contain Tetsuo, they actually the other um, espers actually release the parts from the canisters and he reforms as Akira again. Right. And he's just the same, you know, um, normal looking child. You know, he doesn't, doesn't even have the like wrinkled look of the other kids. Yeah. So I wonder if that means that these kids weren't maybe not naturally like this, that maybe that they were government tested. Well, they are, they are. Did they, they go into that? Yeah, they go into it a little bit. So um, they were experimented on and given these powers? Well, they probably had some kind of a natural inclination, I would right. think. Um, you know, nat- some natural ability that they wanted to uh, expand on or, or, you know, maybe they were they were uniquely, um, I don't know, just better at learning the telepathic powers, I guess. I don't yeah. know. Some, you know, I'm sure they had s- some kind of selection process. but I'm sure. Um, I don't think they really explain that in detail, but... Yeah. But yeah, and I I think um, talk a little bit about direction. Sure. Um, in it's, this film, the director, like we said, is the writer of the manga. Yeah, Katsuhiro Otomo. Right, and he, um, I would say, probably directed the art style of this. So sure. we're going to talk about animation later, which is a little bit different. But mm-hmm. um, and I just think it was. It's a beautiful looking film. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's just uh, the Neo Tokyo looks uh, just so well drawn and awesome. And um, yeah, this movie, by the way, cost over 1.1 billion yen when it was made, wow. and um, which was about nine million dollars. Yeah. Um, and there's been. I'm not sure even what the what the numbers would be today. There's been inflation in both of those right. currencies, especially in the yen, I think. But um yeah, it was it was the most expensive animated film ever made. And um you can really see that all over it oh, because yeah. um the you know, really the style of it. I mean, adult and adult animation wasn't even really a thing yet. I mean, to give you some context, like right. The Little Mermaid came out in 1989, a year after this movie. Yeah. <laughs> um so it, this is just on a totally other level of it was heavy metal but yeah if you want to call it adult i don't know <laughs> um that's aimed at adults yeah oh yeah it's definitely for adults yeah it's for adults yeah it's not um, really serious oh well yeah i mean it's 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 comic booky and over the top right. and all that yeah 
So that's a good point. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, um, you know, it's also violent and gory and disturbing and visceral and yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this was kind of, it, it was definitely a visionary project and, and they were, I, th- I think something like 10 different production companies came together to make this thing. And they were, um, that was a lot of confidence to, to put in it. Cause so they must've really seen something in this, this guy's manga, but, um, Oh, for sure. Atomo, but, um, it really, yeah, it's a, uh, it was, I know the phrase ahead of its time, it's thrown around a lot, but yeah. <laughs> it, it has turned out to be very influential on yeah. modern cinema. I gave direction a 10. No, oh, I gave it a nine. Okay. So, yeah. So I, I just thought, I mean, it's just a masterwork really. Um, it's not much else to say other than that. It's yeah. really something. Yeah. Um, there's it, it it's the fr- it's there i don't think there's another movie before that i mean there's other like there was some like neo-noir like blade runner like we said and um some other like you know like metropolis and that kind of like sci-fi but mm. this is um it's on it's on another level it's a it's a much more it's like that but with a lot of like superhero um like action thrown in it's like um it's like different kinds of action movies crammed into one. It's like it's like one of those kind of like street level, you know, gang type movies mixed in with a superhero movie. And yeah, um, it was it's it's a crazy amount of 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 style um, that he that he dreamed up, and just a story that um, encompasses a lot of it's a, it's something that's very thought provoking. Sure, it's so style and substance, not style over substance style yeah. and substance which is important right yeah and there's even like a crazy dream sequence with a teddy bear that's creepy <laughs> yeah tetsuo starts having these weird dreams but they're actually these visions caused by these espers and they're like toying with them they're in the, they're becoming these toys mm-hmm. that, that these tiny creepy toys that are like climbing onto his bed and then the teddy bear evolves into a huge teddy bear and he's like <laughs> just like it turns into a monster pretty trippy scenes yeah it is (laughs) very creepy music too which well we should probably talk about maybe animation while we're talking about direction um move on to the animation i give it a 10 for animation me too yeah (laughs) pretty amazing yeah i mean we kind of talked about it already but it's just the the style paired with the very smooth and just cinematic yeah, I, th- I, to it. I believe it was the first animated film that actually had 24 frames per second. Oh, okay. Which is why it's so smooth looking. Right. Um, compar- well, 24 frames per second isn't smooth. Well, that's compared the, that's to... the appeal of 24 frames a second. Right. Is that it has a more kind of cinematic and dreamy look. Right. But it was it was faster than what had come before it, is the idea. Oh yeah, yeah. There's more sure. or more there's more in there. It's right. smoother as far as what animation is concerned. Yeah. Um and um and they actually invented like I wanna say like thirty something colors for the movie because like it was so dark that they had to like create more like subtle shading within okay. the dark oh, yeah, areas yeah. To, so that it actually looked like something instead of just right. blobs. So that was that was impressive That's too. That's interesting. And um yeah, it, it, but it's it's kind of it, like um, that Linklater movie. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember the title of it because it's, it's not worth it. But Waking what's Life. It? Waking Life. Um, <laughs> they had to, had they invented new techniques, I guess. Right. Which I guess they didn't really. Linklater more kind of evolved uh, a previous technique, but yeah, we've know. talked about this is at least the third very distinct animation style that we've talked about on the show. Yeah, so it's yeah. kind of cool. Um, but because uh, we also did Fantastic Planet, um, but the, but the detail of it is is insane. Like for hand drawn animation, like for sure to this yeah. day, it's not easy to find something that that looks so real. Like and and there's there's a couple things that are obviously and intended to be less realistic. Like the like the whole like the trademark like big eyes the animes yeah, have that the, kind of thing that doesn't the anime really look yeah it doesn't really look realistic, but like when you look at like the motorcycles and the buildings and like, especially um, when Tetsuo is like forming an arm cause his arm gets blown off. Oh, yeah. He's like, 
um, it, it's like a, a combination of like conduits and like muscle and mm. it's like this weird like cyborg type ropey thing. veins and yeah and the, just all the little details that come together as he's like forming that and just moments like that that are just this is it's just crazy for hand-drawn animation yeah and um, just yeah just so good <laughs> crazy good detail yeah um and then the editing i would say was it's edited like a well edited action film yeah i was gonna say it's got um for the frenetic pace that it needs to have when yeah. it needs to have it and um in the quieter moments it it just kind of lets you know lets the shots linger yeah. um so it actually is is well done it's not you know they're not trying to be um too choppy um, even though, like I said, it, it is fast in some places, but I think it's always effective when it is. Yeah. I gave it a nine. I did dock mm-hmm. it a point cause I just thought it, I wish it was longer. Um, but then I guess that could be oh, the really? fault of also the script. Um, maybe the script wasn't, I don't know. I think the, I think the length was okay. Um, I just, I just thought that more could have been, I was just more interested to see kind of. Or maybe another movie. See it more filled out. Yeah. yeah. I, I agree. I could see this as a trilogy, especially with the manga being so long. Yeah, I think if they had gone one or the other way with it, if they'd made it longer and more fleshed out, or if they had just made it shorter and more streamlined, yeah. I think either way would have been better. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the way the way that it is is a little bit, um, like we said, it's a little overstuffed. So, so I, I, give I give it an eight for editing. Okay. All right, so uh, we want, you want to talk about music? Yeah, sure. I uh, thought the music was great. Yeah, I thought it was good. Um, it, it's sonically kind of weird because there's a lot of like there's like s- these ghostly synthesized choirs and like yeah, there's a lot of um, percussion. It's a very percussive and mm. like intense score, which is appropriate. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's a a little bit of that creepy factor. I don't think there's a lot of variation. That's the one big thing that i kind of dock it for mm. yeah but i mean really the film is kind of i just don't know how much variation could have been what what do you mean like i just mean like um the arrangements the instrumentation um okay. it's all kind of like this um very insistent kind of techno music that doesn't have much dynamic to it but it's the 80s and it's te- it's anime <laughs> <laughs> fair enough fair enough I thought it was very evocative of the style. Yeah. Cyberpunk. That's appropriate. Um, so, yeah. And I thought it was just well done. I thought the the creepy music with the toys was really uh, something. Oh, yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, I thought, I thought it was good. What was your music score then, Rob? Oh, I think I, I think I thought I said it, but it's a nine. Oh, okay. I, said, I gave it a 7.5. Oh, okay. All right. So, uh, voice acting. Um, well, we watched the English dub. Yeah. And then I found out there's two English dubs, hmm. so I'm not exactly sure which one we listened to. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. But the one that we listened to is very good. I I liked it a lot, yeah. I usually, when I watch anime or foreign films, I usually try to watch it in the um, native language and just l- read the subtitles, But because um, it usually just sounds so bad and so badly acted, but this was very well acted and it just fit very well with the characters. Yeah, I I agree. I didn't, I didn't think it was like Pixar level with like a lot of nuance, but I did think that it was um, watchable. Yeah, yeah, it was never. I never felt like I was being shouted at. Like one example of that is, um, I'm sorry for you, uh, Attack on Titan fans, but like what from what I've watched of it, I cannot get past how over the top those voice actors are. Mm. And I, it's uh, part of it. I mean, if they had an English overdub for it, or if they just had. Um, yeah, I guess that's what it would, it would have to be. It would have to be like a toned down English overdub for me to be able to get into it because mm. it's, it's just subtitles with the yeah. original ja- Japanese voice acting. Um, but anyway, it was not, I never felt that way at all with this movie. So that enough, that alone was enough yeah. to make me rate it pretty highly. I wish we would have figured out, we could have figured out um, which dub we listened to. Yeah. But um, so, yeah, I'm, but it did sound kind of recent. So it might be the more recent one. It didn't, because um, there's like two, there's one that like, recorded when it first came out oh, okay and then there was like a remaster yeah because they did release it in the united states in like 89 i think so yeah yeah they did that pretty shortly after but i gave um, it a nine voice okay. acting i gave it an eight for voice acting okay all right so um 
do we have uh do you want to do the real factor and then maybe some uh some final summary and points sure um i gave real factor an 8.5 i thought it was great i wish like i already kind of i've pretty much already summarized my um small gripes with the film right but um yeah i just thought it was awesome yeah and really it's the only thing maybe that might turn some people off is just that if you're not into that like intense anime style it might just not really be your thing because it is very intense and it does have um you know it's just very like strong emotions from pretty pretty much from beginning to end like there's no it doesn't really pause for a minute for you to kind of collect yourself it's it just keeps it's just kind of an onslaught that's true but if you're if you're somebody that likes action films and you Mm -hmm. like kind of um I don't know strange stories yeah lo- undulating lovecraftian monsters yeah. and you're not <laughs> into anime i think you should watch this because i mean i don't i, th- I think everybody kind of has a, an idea of anime mm-hmm. of what they think it might be like but they've never tried it before they've never tried watching it yeah i didn't they don't know really know kind of what it does some some of them don't do yeah, I didn't know that there was. I didn't know that this kind of anime existed. I was more familiar with like the Studio Ghibli, oh, okay, form yeah. of it, which yeah. I love. I mean, Spirited Away is one of my favorite movies right. of all time. Which a lot of people don't even know that type of stuff exists. I mean, yeah. they just think kind of anime is like they think of like the Pokemon show and or Sailor Moon or yeah, uh, and it's it could be much more than that, and it is much more than that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is like not not knocking Pokemon. Yeah, even though that's like comparing like an ant to Godzilla, but <laughs> right, because <laughs> um, it's just so so much simpler. But yeah, um, intentional Godzilla reference. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, um, I actually also gave it a eight point five for real factor. Oh, okay. I uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It wasn't like, um, it's not my favorite in terms of like story, um, but it's got plenty of original ideas in it. It's got like I said, amazing animation that alone is enough mm. to keep you interested i think sure um and uh yeah good good solid film yeah. very influential um yeah. and if we didn't mention a lot of the names like we usually do so uh it was written by the director and the the manga writer katsuo otomo which i think we mentioned uh, but it was also written by ito hashimoto he was one of the co-writers of the film. Um, the music was by Shoji Yamashiro. It was edited by Takeshi Sayama. And the cinematography was by Katsuji Masawa. Good old Masawa. Which we didn't really rate cinematography, but I kind of... I don't know. I guess it's kind of in animation. Yeah. Too, so... I think that all kind of it's really just or, or yeah it's the animation and the direction because it's all right. just from the frames of um of Otomo's manga yeah so it's not really a separate thing so uh my final score what was your final score uh my final was or my average was an 8.43 cool mine was uh 9.0 uh 7142 Eight five seven one four, two eight five seven one. You are a ridiculous human being. Um, I, it's not my fault. Just how it shook out. Don't act like you have no responsibility in this, Rob. Don't act like. Uh, Don't run away from your, your responsibilities. How am I doing that? I have no idea. <laughs> um, <laughs> Rob, do you want to play Dirty Rotten Tomatoes? We didn't give the uh, oh yeah the we didn't score. Oh, we didn't Come on! <laughs> so no, I don't you, want to play that game. Your fault. You got me all bamboozled. <laughs> you jerk. Um, but the real score is uh, eight point seven five zero seven one four two eight five seven one four two eight six. And every one of those digits is equally significant. Yeah, and that's compared to the Rotten Tomatoes score, eighty-eight percent. Uh, critics. Oh right, yeah. Ninety percent uh, users, viewers, and then uh, IMDb gave it an old eight point one. So, yeah. so we we uh, we're right in there. Yeah, but I mean, 
They're, I mean, they're right in there. I think that's what you mean. Yes, exactly. Because ours is the one, ours is the one that really matters. Yep. Ours is the real score. <laughs> Don't forget it. I'm sure they won't, Rob. I have faith. All right. Now, <laughs> would you like to play a game? Yeah, I think so. Because I would like to play a game. I got time. Roll the music. Dirty Rotten Tomatoes. Dirty Rotten Tomatoes. Only on Real Unreals. All right. Dirty Rotten Tomatoes. So, uh, Jeremiah and I have come up with three sets of four films. And for uh, each of these sets of films, we have to decide which one is the, uh, what is it? What, what's the, you, you got to p- pick out three different things. Pick out, you got to pick out the rotten one. Right. From the bunch. So rotten is the critic score. Yes. Um, we pick which of the four films is rotten out of the, all the ones that are fresh. Yep. And then, uh, you try to guess the biggest point spread between critic and audience scores. Yes. So if, um, Legally Blonde 2 has a 99% critic score <laughs> and they have a, a 10% audience score. Um, it's probably actually more reversed than there's disparity is 80%. <laughs> right. So that's how presenters work. Um, <laughs> well, was there, some, was there another thing that we, uh, that we're going for, for points on that? Or is it just, those I thought points? we were also doing highest audience score. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. So there's a possible three points for each sets of film. Alrighty then. But before we begin, we should probably get out the, uh, the old reel on reels game ledge. I've got the game, the old game ledge right here. All right. I'm already prepared. Do, uh, I'm, I'm sticking to my, do our interns have, um, have a, the training to ride that forklift to bring that thing over here? Nah. It's easy. OSHA's going to kill us. We're too small to fry. They're not going to notice. That's true. All right. Put it right there. Plus, we have that cloaking device. So It's amazing how uh, advanced forklifting technology is advanced. <laughs> how advanced it's advanced. Because it's completely silent. Yeah, yeah. These silent forklifts make for a much more pleasant work environment. And our interns know that it's better to be... Uh, not seen and not heard here. Yeah. They've learned. Yeah. They have the... Uh, they catch on quick. Yeah. All right, Rob. Um, you want to start? Sure. So, um, do you mean me start to give you questions? Whatever. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so, your first set of films. I already got my check. <clears throat> oh, uh, I forgot. What is our current scores? Oh, the current score, Rob is 73 to 62 with you in the lead all right so i think you're catching up i think you might have been a little more behind last time yep catching up all right well this is a good one to maybe maybe win on yeah maybe 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 catch up a little more all right so your first set of films one fear and loathing in las vegas two alien covenant Hmm. three Aquaman hmm. or four happy death day to you. Okay. Um, happy death day. I want to say, mm, I just saw that on Rotten Tomatoes today and I don't <laughs> remember what the score was. <sighs> Gosh. Okay. I'm going to say, can you just read through those? One more time? Sure. Uh, fear and loathing in Las Vegas. Yeah. Alien covenant. Okay. Aquaman. And happy death day to you. Okay, I'm going to say Aquaman is the rotten one. That is incorrect. <sighs> happy death day. Uh, no, it's Fear and Loathing in Th- Las Vegas. Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas has a rotten score? 49%. That is astonishing. Yep. I thought that was one of those like hipster darling films. Well, <sighs> All right. maybe that'll help you in uh, <laughs> the other categories. I don't maybe. know. Maybe. All right. Um... So, so what do you think is the highest audience score? So the highest audience score of those is probably... Actually, do you want to do lowest audience score? 
Um, because this is dirty, rotten tomatoes after all. So we got to <laughs> picking out the rotten ones. Sure, Rob. Let's just change rules as we see fit. As we're we haven't really it. started yet. <laughs> That's true. All right. Uh, lowest one. Okay. Lowest audience score. Yeah. So fear and loathing, covenant. So this game is about negativity. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so for the lowest audience score, I'm gonna have to go with um, Aquaman. That is incorrect. Um, uh, in fact, it ties for second um, highest. But the lowest is Alien Covenant with 55%. Oh, I did. Uh, wow. I'm surprised all those other ones had higher than that. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Fear and Loathing Las Vegas. <laughs> I hit your printer. Fear and Loathing Las Vegas is uh, 89%. Oh, wow. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. Um, and I probably shouldn't have told you that. Yeah, so because it could help. Oh, yeah, because you probably just gave away the the other point, which is uh, the next, disparity. How about so the next <laughs> sets? We we give all the answers at once. Oh yeah, that makes more sense. Yeah, we're we're still working the kings out here at Real on Reels. We're always working the kings. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's refining, Rob. That's true. It's There's just, no kinks. It's, it's just refining. We're always no refining. kinks here. We're always getting better. Straight missionary. That's how you get to look at it. We're always getting better. Yeah. All right. Um. Yeah, so th- I think the biggest gap is going to be that uh, that old uh, fear and loathing. Um, that is, in, yeah, that's right. That's right. You're right. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I get a point. You do get a point. All right. It was a uh, disparity of forty percent. The film that the audience or the audience and critics agreed most on was Alien Covenant. Oh, okay. With eleven percent disparity. Okay. Good stuff. All right, Rob, I've got a, uh, you know how I like to do categories. Um, <laughs> I've got Doggy a, style. Yeah. So I've got an animated category here. So these are all going to be animated movies. All right. The Little Mermaid. Okay. How to Train Your Dragon. Okay. The original one. Cars 2. Cars 2. All right. <laughs> <laughs> and The Rescuers, the first one. Rescuers. Hmm. Okay. Yes. Um, From 1977. Interesting. 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 Critics like love to go down on Pixar. <laughs> so I don't, but I, I, I want to say that Cars 2 wasn't as well received as the rest of Pixar's movies. Um, what were the first two? The Little Mermaid and How to Train Your Dragon. I'm going to go with Cars 2 as the lowest okay. um, critic score. Lowest audience score, I'm going to go with... Um, I think I'm... What was the second one again? How to Train Your Dragon. I think I'm going to go with Cars 2 again. For audience score? Okay. And then Disparity. Disparito. As Cartman would, Cartman would say. Disparito. <laughs> um, Respect my Disparito. <laughs> oh, jeez. I'm going to say the Disparity is with... <laughs> the rescuers that is correct so um yeah you got all the points i got all of them mm-hmm. i guessed all of them yep you got the uh the rotten one which is cars 2 you got uh the biggest disparity which was the rescuers and you got the lowest audience score which was also cars 2 dang <laughs> wow headshot swept it boom headshot all right rob Hit me with your next cat. Your All right. next volley or your next salvo. I think it's more exciting doing, giving all the, the answers at once. Yes, I agree. Uh, so you're welcome, audience. <laughs> Second set of score uh, <laughs> movies is one. This one has an M Night Shyamalan category. M Night Shyamalan. So yeah, it's a. You should a, see the jazz fingers he's giving <laughs> over here. Jazz shoulders <laughs> and f- fingers. Um, we've got split. We've got Unbreakable, we've got Glass, the trilogy, the, the trilogy there, and then we've got The Sixth Sense. 
Okay. Um, hit me, hit me with that one more time. Uh, split. Split. Unbreakable. Unbreakable. Glass. And the sixth sense. Okay. So, the Unbreakable trilogy, I guess you could call it, and sixth sense. Correct. So all the M Night Shyamalan goodness. All right. So I'm gonna have to say that the worst rated one of those, or either way, yeah, the worst critics rating one is probably Glass. And then for audiences, um, man, I think I'm going to also go with glass and for this disparity, um, I think, I think audiences and critics both love Sixth Sense, so it's probably not too far off and, um, Unbreakable, that's a bit... I'm immediately thinking of Kimmy Schmidt because I've been watching the unbreakable Kimmy oh. Schmidt lately. <laughs> um, man, I should get ad revenue from Netflix for mentioning their shows so often. <laughs> um, yeah, hit us up Netflix. Yeah, exactly. I mean, <laughs> it's just crazy that you haven't yet. We can make this a movie and TV podcast. Sure. Um, so I'm thinking the biggest disparity might be, ah, oh man, maybe it is unbreakable because I think, yeah, I'm gonna have to go with Unbreakable for the disparity because I think audiences probably liked that one quite a bit more. Um, yeah. What's your final answer? Yes. All right. You got the first two right. So, but interestingly, so Glass has the, the biggest disparity is also. Oh, glass. I, did, I didn't give I didn't give the highest um, audience score. No, you, yeah, you did lowest audience, lowest. Oh, that's right. We're not doing. Okay, sorry. Yeah. So you you got those right. You got the lowest audience, lowest critic score is Glass. Okay. But the biggest disparity was also glass. Oh, man, you tricked me. So, uh, yeah. I should have considered that that was also, man, what are the scores on the glass? That's interesting. It's uh, 37% rotten from critics, 75% from uh, audience. Oh, wow. I didn't realize people liked it. And 38% disparity. Yeah, wow. But even though that was a high audience score, it was still the lowest one of the four. Oh, wow. So. Right, right. Okay, that makes sense. So I still got... Wow, I'm surprised that was the lowest one. Um, yeah, I'm actually... I'm surprised. Um, I was thinking all of those mo- other movies were going to be like probably around like 50s to 60s. Like I didn't think any of them were going to be like super low or super high. Yeah. Um, so yeah. What were the scores for The Sixth Sense? Just out of curiosity. It was uh, 85% critics 90 percent audience and five percent disparity about what i forget uh, about what i figured okay so rob um okay so i got two points off of that um yes all right we're neck and neck for this game all right rob your next category is a dystopian category Ooh. um we're neck and neck but i haven't had my second question yet so we'll see how neck and neck we uh, are oh yeah that's true all right, dystopian. All right, so we've got Dark City, Total Recall, I Robot, and Idiocracy. Hmm. Interesting. 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 Can you repeat those again? Yeah, Dark City, Total Recall, I Robot, Idiocracy. I'm thinking iRobot got the lowest audience, or uh, sorry, critic score. Okay. I think that. What was the last one? Idiocracy. What was the first and second one? The third one? (laughs) Let's go through them again. (laughs) Dark City. Yeah. Total Recall. iRobot. Idiocracy. I think um, hmm. I'm going to say that Total Recall had the lowest audience score. Okay. You know what? No. (laughs) I'm going to say Total Recall had the lowest critic score. Um, Total Recall had the lowest critic score? Yeah. Okay. And then what was the one that I gave the lowest? Uh, 
Uh, you, you said that you thought, um, I think you said that you thought Idiocracy had the lowest uh, no, no. audience score. What was the name of them again? Oh, you sorry. gotta get a dry erase board like <laughs> yeah. Paula suggested. Dark City, Total Recall, iRobot, Idiocracy. iRobot. I think iRobot had the lowest audience score. Okay. And then I think the biggest disparity might have been Idiocracy. Biggest disparity, Idiocracy. Okay, so let me just recap this, make sure I got them. So you think that iRobot has the lowest um the lowest critic score audience oh you think iro has the lowest audience score yes okay and then you think total recall has the lowest critic score correct okay and you think that idiocracy has the biggest disparity yes okay so you were right about um the disparity. Idiocracy has a 16-point disparity. It's uh, 76 for critics and 60 for audiences. Okay. And um, for the lowest critic score, you were incorrect. It was actually iRobot with 57. Dang, I changed my answer and I was right. Yeah. <laughs> um, Total Recall actually has 82 from critics. Really? Yeah, I was surprised too. Um, and then the lowest audience score was actually Idiocracy. Really? Yep. See, Idiocracy is such a cult classic right now that I, I'm very surprised by it. Yeah, that. I was a little surprised by it too. So, hmm. if I picked these movies. Interesting. <laughs> All right. So, you got the um, got one point. disparity right. So, you got that. All right. All right. So, uh, your next movies are one, Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> Ra- Rasp. Rhapsody. 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 And then um, (laughs) two, Hail Caesar, which if you're not familiar is the uh, Coen Brothers movie with uh, uh, George Clooney where he plays like an actor. Oh, okay. Um, Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. And then three is Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald. Okay. And then four is Lords of Chaos, which is the new uh, movie about the... Um, black metal scene. Oh, that's right. Okay. Starring uh, Kieran Culkin. Okay. Okay. As, uh, I think he plays Varg the Kearns. Hmm. Um, is he the guy that was like burning down churches and stuff? Yeah, he's the guy that went to, went, to, went to prison to killing for killing one of his bandmates. Oh, that's right. Wow. Okay, so um, let me just run through those again for me real quick. Sure. <laughs> um. We got one, Bohemian Rhapsody, Um, two, Hail Caesar, three, Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald, and four, Lords of Chaos. Yeah, these all came out like within the last couple of years, didn't they? They did. Um, So Lords of Chaos, Fantastic Beasts, Bohemian Rhapsody, and what was the second one? (laughs) Uh, Hail Caesar. Hail Caesar, okay. Lords of Chaos actually just came out. This is difficult. Um, And obviously Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah. For lowest critic score, I'm going to go with... um, What was the number three again? Sorry. Fantastic Beasts, The Crime. Oh, that's right. I'm going to go with that one for the lowest... The Crime. Okay. Or the lowest uh, um, critic score. And then for the the lowest audience score, I'm going to go with... Um, Bohemian Rhapsody and then for Disparity I'm going to go with um, uh, I'm just going to go with Hail Caesar okay um, so you said Fantastic Beasts had the lowest critic score and you were correct sweet um, you said Bohemian Rhapsody had the lowest audience score you were incorrect mm. it was also fantastic beasts oh, okay um and then you said hail caesar had the biggest disparity and you were correct yes what was this disparity on there uh 42 percent oh wow what, what are the audiences scores? gave uh, our uh, critics gave 86 percent audiences gave 44 percent i had a feeling it was going to be one of those because yeah. it's coen brothers yeah <laughs> so yeah so good uh good guess sweet thanks 
So all right. you got uh, two points. All right. I've recorded them in the official ledger. Uh, all right. All right, Rob. So your last category Ooh, here. I have another set. Yeah, yeah. Your last category here is comic adaptations. Okay. All right. So we have, um, I thought I would do a little bit of a graphic novel theme because uh, obviously this manga sure. movie is a uh, kind of a kind of graphic well i think it i probably i think it was technically comics first but you can buy it as a graphic novel yeah i think um but anyway so and this probably it probably also influenced a lot of the graphic novel people that that are famous in the united states like Mm. frank miller and alan moore um you know sin city the watchman that kind of thing anyway so the spirit interesting hellboy the watchman and Superman Returns, The Spirit, wow. I'll just repeat them, The Spirit, Hellboy, The Watchman, and Superman Returns. Wow. Nice nice choices. <laughs> That's tough. Um, gosh. I'm going to say... Superman Returns had lowest critic score. I'm going to say that the Spirit had lowest audience score. Okay. And then I'm going to say that the biggest disparity was Watchmen. Biggest disparity is Watchmen. Okay. Okay, so the lowest critic score was actually The Spirit. Okay. Not Superman Returns. Um, <laughs> the critic score for The Spirit was only 14%. I, I, I knew it. That was my gut again. Yeah. Because I've got that movie on DVD or Blu-ray and it sucks. Yeah, our audiences. Uh, you know what's really yeah. good though is The Spirit Pinball Machine. Oh, Okay. Hmm. Yeah, they. Uh, I'm a big pinball fan, and uh, I played their pinball at competitive pinball night, and uh, <laughs> it it's, it was awesome. I liked it a lot. Where at? Um, Tyler's Tenders in Cherville. Oh, hmm. I have to check that out. Yeah, it's like a kids restaurant with like trains bring you your food. Oh, but uh, man, I want a train to bring you my it's, food. It's that pretty cool. Amazing. But they have an arcade where the uh, Northwest Indiana Pinball Association or league has a uh, the 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 guy who provides the games he's the head of the league so he puts like five or six pinball machines there that's awesome swaps them around and I haven't but I haven't been in a while I need to really go back yeah I'd like to check it out pinball's fun it's a good time and those people are so good <laughs> I'm sure yeah oh my god yeah all right so um so you're wrong on the on the lowest critic score lowest audience score we're looking at um also the spirit because it was only 25. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that movie was awful. <laughs> I knew, I'm like, that one was like the one that really stunk. I should have mm-hmm. placed all, <laughs> everything on black. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you were also incorrect about the disparity, actually, okay. because it's um, it's actually Hellboy. Really? Yeah. Audiences, um, are, for critics, it was 81. Yeah. Uh, which I was a little surprised by. And then audiences, it was a 65. Wow. Which is a little lower than I thought it would be. So, yeah, 16 point spread. I actually did not like Hellboy when I first saw it. Really? Um, yeah. And then I watched it again years later and I thought, wow, I was dumb. And then I saw The Golden Army in the theater and I was I was um, captivated. I really wish yeah. I really wish Guillermo del Toro was going to do a third one. They're already rebooting it with David <sighs> Harper from Stranger Things, which... I'm going to give it a chance. I'm going to give it a chance. It looks okay. Mm-hmm. But Guillermo del Toro is something special. Agreed. We got to uh, do one of that guy's movies one of these days. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah. Which one should we do? Oh, it's Pan's Labyrinth. <laughs> we got to do Pan's Labyrinth at some point. We got to do a... Del- we're going to do a Paul Thomas Anderson series. Oh, yeah. We're we going to try to do all those <laughs> movies eventually. We should also do that for del Toro because he's just... He's so brilliant. Agreed. Um, Yeah. So... You got none correct. <laughs> <sighs> All right. What was the final uh, tally for that uh, or that game? Okay. So our final tally. Well, what was who won the game? Uh, it was me, and the uh, the tally was five to four. All right. 
So I'm at 67 and you're at uh, 77. All right, catching up. Closing the gap. Little by little. Oh, wait, did I, did I math that right? Yeah. Yep. It's, uh, yeah, only a 10-point gap and seven, 11-point gap now. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, that was fun. Awesome. Um, yeah, so Reel on Reels. This was another episode of it. <laughs> it was that. Um, and uh, yeah, follow us on Facebook and Twitter. And just it's just Real and Reels. And then if you want to sh- shoot us an email, um, that'll be Real and Reels official. We love the feedback. At Gmail. We love it, the feedback. Oh, wait, yeah. what did I say? You just said Real on Reels official, but it's at oh, Gmail. At Gmail. Well, of course. We're, I mean, <laughs> if you're going to send it to a Hotmail account, you've got another thing coming. Got another thing coming. Um, so yeah, uh, this at this point, at the end of this podcast, we become God. We swell to an ginormous size, <laughs> which we are not Tetsuo. And then we create a parallel universe. That is what happened, and that was the the detail that I was going to leave out of the podcast. <laughs> Not anymore. All right. You thought, you thought we were going to get away with well, it. The cat's out of the bag. Yep. All right, folks. Um, next week, we're talking about the seventh seal. Yeah, Ingmar Bergman. The Ingmar Bergman classic. It is the first and only Ingmar Bergman film that I've seen. <laughs> and, really? uh Yeah, that's going to be a good conversation. Yeah, it's... Uh... Very interesting film. Look forward to it. See you guys next week. Projector part. Boom, 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 bo